Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So I was in the shower, I was cleaning my ass and making all the all sparkly, spanky clean. I'm not the funny one, I'm the pretty one. Talk shots. <laughs> Just check myself out. The glory hole is like a, a like dick theater of magic your pants. Which means your pants had better come off. Mama needs playtime. We're not sluts. We just love love. Join us on The Wet Coast, a podcast about sexuality and ethical non-monogamy of every variety. We talk polyamory and swinging, monogamish and open relationships, from dirty, dirty sex to heartbreak and everything in between. We share our personal experiences and philosophy, observations and theories, what works for us, and where we fucked it right up. This isn't your average couple's explanabrag podcast, though we definitely do a little of that. We share our adventures in open with a unique, funny, feminist, and Canadian approach. Come get wet with us on the Wet Coast. Hello, everyone. We have a very special guest today. Um, friend, sometimes lover. <laughs> I like you. I like you when I say that. That's kind of funny. Uh, uh, the the tone in the voice. I know, right? It's my sexy voice. Thank you for calling uh, By the By After Dark. Today <laughs> on By the By After Dark, we have the one and only Cooper S. Beckett, live from somewhere in the middle of the U.S. <laughs> I feel like Chicago. We, need a we do. We need. We need to add. We'll add that in post, like yeah. an audience, ah, like a studio audience. <laughs> um, hi, Cooper. Hello, Cooper. Hi. It's, it's so nice to see you both, and I wish uh, that you could see me, but, you know, technology is stupid. Look, Australia just got the internet, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that we can hear you as clearly as we can. Yeah, well, actually, you know, good. Yeah. And so, you know, with our, what's our time difference? Like 13 hours, 12 hours, 8 hours? I don't know. I don't actually do time. I don't know. It's, it's 316 here in okay. the afternoon. Yeah, it's uh, 816 a.m. the next day. Wow. So, hello from the future. We're sort of going in the opposite direction because the last time I was here, it was like, you know, a nice relaxing early evening for you. And it was like two in the morning for me. And I was uh, fairly uh, philosophical, I think. Yeah, because you're never philosophical. (laughs) Well, I mean... (laughs) It just it, it dulled my uh, my stop this shit Cooper levels. That's great. Don't pee on me and tell me it's raining. <laughs> but we like philosophical Cooper as well. We do. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Good. Yes. He pontificates. Mm-hmm. I, yes, and strokes my beard. Oh man, you gotta speed that up. <laughs> <laughs> you had to pause at just the right part, and he strokes my. 
Beer. Beer. Yes. <laughs> Patient. Uh, so why do we have Cooper here today? Other than that, we like talking to him, and it's fun just kind of goof around. We hadn't talked to talked to him in a while. I know. Uh, so we're actually talking about STIs tonight, and just the prevalence of STIs, increasing numbers of infections or diagnosis, I suppose. Um, but we wanted to talk. To Hashtag Funcast. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! We'll still make it fun, you know. I, I know, I know. I, as as a podcaster who has many times tried to do that 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 difficult needle to thread of somehow making the SCI discussion a podcast that you can enjoy listening to. You know, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. But I look it has forward to it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's uh, it's an itch you got to scratch. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see? Hey, and if you don't like us talking about STIs and stuff, I personally think you're being a bit rash. <laughs> Thank you. I got a slow clap. <laughs> You know why? Because he knows I'm a fun guy. Yes, like the mushroom. See? <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'll try to insert as many puns as possible into this conversation. I look forward to it. You're the science one. Uh-huh. Cooper's the philosophical one. I'm the funny one. You're the punny one. I'm the punny one. Yeah. Funny one. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, okay. So yes, yeah, so we just wanted to kind of talk to to you, Cooper, about why some of these numbers are going up, what you consider safe sex, what we consider safe sex, how people can take measures to prevent transmission of some of these STIs, and let's just pontificate. I think I should note, to start out with, that none of us are official doctors. No. One of us works, <laughs> one of us works <laughs> Not in... Not official ed- doctors. I know, right, we're unofficial doctors. Um, one of us does at least work with some sciences, and that would be you, the, and the, the pretty one. Yes. Uh, and the smart one, which is why we call you the smart one. Uh, just See, I just send all my uh, my pictures to the swinger doc, and he tells me if it's cancer or not. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. If Angela, I don't know how. Not I, I, I warn him before I send him the the you know dick pics, but <laughs> that's but he's he's gotten more than his fair share, I think, of, of dick pics from me. God love him. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's the he's a saint. That swigger duck. Yes, 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 he is. <laughs> so tell us, let's start with what you describe for us uh, and listeners what you consider safe sex. Well, uh, first I'm going to be pedantic and say that no sex is safe sex. There is something as safer sex, but there is no such thing as safe sex because no matter what, you are transmitting something between you, whether it's a, a, a thing that's a big deal or whether it's like the last play party I went to where literally everybody who fucked got a cold. So that was an STI in that instance that was transmitted by breathing heavily into each other's faces while fucking. That is a good way to transmit a cold. So. Yeah. Well, you should do doggy style. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> To say. So that would be safer sex, Bradford. Right. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and uh, what, what Sweeney said has tried to use is risk-aware sex rather than either safe or safer sex. Because, I mean, we, we definitely live in an age um, 
where it's just commonplace. You know, almost everybody has, will have, or had HPV. That is just the way it is. And in general, it's not a big deal as long as you uh, work with your health regularly. And as I say that, I recognize that there are women out there who have had severe problems from uh, HPV. And there are men who have had severe problems from HPV. So I'm not trying to diminish. I'm just saying that this is something that basically when I walk into a situation, I, I act as though everybody there has at the very least HPV. Also probably herpes, either oral or genital. Mm-hmm. And so if I go into a situation with that baseline, I then behave in a way that would protect me from those things. And I recognize that even, you know, penetration with condoms and, and barriers is not a complete safe thing against uh, herpes or HPV, but it definitely raises the safety level for you. And so I use condoms for penetration and for oral. I use uh, saran wrap for oral sex uh, because dental dams are horrible and <laughs> saran wrap is a, a barrier. Um, you know, and a lot of people will get, will get pedantic and say, but oh, the, the uh, FDC has not said that it will prevent. And it's like, no, why would the Food and Drug Commission tell you that saran wrap is fine for your sex party? They won't because they, they, their funding does not cover that area. But it does keep things fresh. Uh, yeah, it does. It does. It keeps freshness in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I've seen enough um, amateur, uh, not amateur, but it's it, from scientists. I've seen enough uh, discussions on the safety of saran wrap mm-hmm. to feel comfortable that it is a protectant for me. Uh, at the same time, you know, you you have to be aware of likelihoods of transmission and of the actual danger involved. Because, like, I know that even if saran wrap isn't 100% safe, because nothing is, it's safer than not using saran wrap. And I think the danger in non-monogamy is a lot of people look at it as, well, there's nothing that's 100% safe. So I'm just going to go with the risk. And that's fine. You know, I, I begrudge nobody who doesn't use oral barriers or who doesn't use gloves. But at the same time, it the, the I find the logic flawed. Like if you don't want to use barriers because you're okay with the risk, that's, that's perfectly fine. But if you're going at it and, uh, well, you know, seatbelts don't prevent 100% of deaths <laughs> in car accidents, so I'm not going to wear one. I think that's, you're talking yourself into believing something that is fundamentally flawed. Yes, no, I, I will agree with that completely. I've always said, I've always used that logic. It's like, if you can be a little safer, be a little safer. Um, yeah. As long as it's within your parameters of what safe needs to, to look like. Exactly. Um, I will say real quick for our listeners who are not in the U.S., saran wrap is the same as cling wrap or plastic wrap 
for clean. Ah, yes, that was saran wrap. You know, it's I do the Kleenexification. Yes, exactly. Band-aid plastic. <laughs> They've hit yeah. that ultimate marketing goal in the U.S. They have. Um, they have. But uh, yeah, because we've used the, the word saran wrap down here, and they're like, "Wait, what? What is that?" Yeah. Ah, okay. So, I, need to, okay. I need to get used to the the, the yeah cling wrap instead of saran wrap in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Does it matter on clean? Because we've heard that it does matter which plastic or clean wrap that you use. Well, here's the thing: the from from what I hear, and again, nobody is doing actual studies on this. From what I hear, anything that is that clear plastic wrap, you know, the kind that when you tear it off, it sticks to itself like crazy, and, mm -hmm. and it's obnoxious. That's why I have one with a cutter, uh, and isn't that um, sort of like foamy uh, matte stick wrap is just fine. Yeah. And I you know, and, and I'd even say that that foamy matte stick wrap is probably just fine as well because, again, we're talking about improving safety, not creating 100%. Like, we're not walking in with a CDC zip-up uh, suit here. Oh that be, that's not fetish, man. <laughs> It, it brings me back to Naked Gun when when they practice safe sex and both of them are wearing full body condoms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I love so it. it's all about it, it's all about mitigating risk, and that's really it. Mitigating risk and still allowing yourself to do something is what matters. You know, you have a second parachute in case your main parachute doesn't open. That is about mitigating risk when you are literally leaping from a plane, which is, let's say, risky. Let's you know? say. Potentially. <laughs> and, and wearing the seatbelt is mitigating risk when you are literally cruising at, you know, sometimes up to 100 miles per hour on my commute to work because I'm running that guy. Because you're spending too much time yeah. on podcasts? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's... You know, the thing is that my generation, and I imagine uh, you two would feel the same about this since you grew up in the United States, we're taught that sex equals death. Yes. Because yes. Yeah. the AIDS too. crisis was full-blown yeah. Yeah. in the 80s when I started learning about sex. And it's really hard to walk back from that. And I, I noticed, uh, you know, when you watch the documentaries about the AIDS crisis, a lot of people were of that same mindset. You know, like, fuck it, I'm going to get it anyway, so why, why bother? You know, the, the, and it's, it's that defeatist attitude that makes you make stupid choices because odds are you are going to get an STI in non-monogamy. In fact, the odds are you're going to get an STI in regular sexual interaction you know something like I, the, the numbers were shocking and i still don't know if they're true but there was something like 80 percent of people will have an sti at some point in their life period yeah yeah the well the, so, the numbers currently for like just hsv1 for herpes simplex virus one it says that like 75 to 80 percent of the population has it and that's yeah. the oral that herpes. yeah that's the oral herpes and well that's why I'm sorry. I no, just didn't. That's why I jumped on oral barriers specifically mm -hmm. because, I mean, I know that almost everybody has cold sores. Mm -hmm. It's just the thing. 
And, you know, so many people uh, call it um, cold sores so they don't have to call it herpes, which I totally understand. But it is herpes. And we have to recognize that it is herpes. And so, therefore, if there's a possibility of transmitting a cold sore from your mouth to your genitals and then having to call it herpes because you don't call it a cold sore on your genitals, maybe you want to use a barrier. I don't know. Maybe. So... The, the next question then would be, playing devil's advocate, how, what about kissing? Because HSV-1 can be passed via kissing. Absolutely. And, and, and you, that I, is, I, I remember the story of the kissing through cling film. Um, but do you want to tell that story? <laughs> well, I, I didn't do it. It oh. was, it was it, my lovely uh, partner, Ophelia, uh, tried very hard to use cling film to uh, protect kissing and nearly died when she sucked it into her throat. <laughs> so I don't recommend that. Safety third. I mean, there, there's just, you know, I'm going to, this is going to come across completely, you know, hypocritical because it's different. I, I look at it as the, I mean, first of all, the risk of transmission when there is no cold sore present is incredibly low. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two is the fact that if you're kissing someone who doesn't have a cold sore and that risk is incredibly low, but if you still get it, so then you get cold sores, which sucks and you don't want it, but sometimes it's totally worth kissing that person. You know? and, that, and that's where you have to decide for yourself, right. is that an acceptable risk? And right. we have you know friends that get cold sores, and one of them recently, during a play session, she was just like, nope, off limits, you know, because she had the start of an outbreak, and so she was just like, nope, yeah. no kissing, I'm not going to play. You know, she just was like, I'll watch, but she kind of removed herself from the situation. And that's completely okay. You know, it's, just a, it's about managing that risk for yourself and for others that you're playing with. Yeah. And it's whatever level you are comfortable with. The only thing I, I vehemently disagree with is bareback swingers. Oh, me too. Yes. Unless you have a closed circuit, you should not be doing that. That is that is that is infecting our entire pool. Because uh, you know, the, ultimately, you have no idea whether or not you have an STI, except for, let's say you tested yesterday. So you know that probably you didn't have one yesterday, but maybe you did because some of them don't show up for two months, three months. So you know probably you didn't have one three months ago. And how many people did you fuck between then and now? It's like, uh, you know, like a, like a desire. I know I got tested before I went, mm -hmm. but I fucked a lot of people at Desire, and you have to recognize, uh, hello, Bradford, <laughs> you have to recognize that at some point you may have become infected, and that is a terrifying thing for a panicky person like myself, <laughs> but that is something that you have to look at the, the risk to benefit. Yeah. You know, like the risks and benefit of I might get herpes, oral herpes from someone making out with them. I can look at that risk and benefit and say, well, it's extremely low. I don't see anything on her lips. I would really like to make out with her or him. 
so I'm going to do it, you know? And I suppose the same thing sh- should be true about uh, oral genital interaction. The reason I trend in the other direction there is really the stigma Uh, because like when you're diagnosed with with genital herpes there's actual you know counseling at a lot of places and it's because this little thing which is really no big deal at all uh as everyone who has it will tell you has become the boogeyman you know like if if you look at the number of people worried about herpes and the number of people worried about AIDS, they're probably very, very close and a very similar level of concern. Yes. Which is insane. Yes. So I was going to ask that because the, the levels of, um, like, you know, the, the, at least in Australia, the uh, number of new cases of HIV being diagnosed in certain communities is decreasing. Um, Mm -hmm. it's also increasing in other communities, but, it is decreasing, and because that's the case, and because of drugs like PrEP that can help with, with prevention, sure. do you think that because that's changing for HIV, that other ones now, like like herpes, that that's kind of taking the place, and that's now what people are concerned about? Because, well, we don't really have to be as concerned about HIV, but we need something to be concerned about, so let's make it herpes. Do you think it's that mentality? Honestly, here's where I get into controversy. Um, Honestly, I blame the Christians and the 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 uh, right wing because they don't want you to have sex. So how do you get people to not have sex? Well, you threaten them with pregnancy or disease, mm-hmm. and that's really what they do. And that's really what what sex ed classes are. Abstinence is about protecting yourself from disease and pregnancy which, you know, you could consider pregnancy an STI. I kind of do, but not not everybody wants to go that way. Um, So the boogeyman is not necessarily from within these communities. The boogeyman is from without. Mm -hmm. And without is giving us incredibly mediocre education and then adding big bats. So it's like, here's a lack of education. Here's here's nothing about protecting yourself beyond condoms will maybe do it, but I don't know. And then also you might get herpes or syphilis and they don't really deal with HPV at all. And they don't, you know, like the thing that terrifies me is antibiotic resistant gonorrhea of the throat. And that's, purely oral sex related mm-hmm. yeah so that's terrifying you you took the words right out of my mouth in that i would i would have said just a conservative mindset yeah uh, because conservative I think that, mindset. that lumps a lot of groups in into it because it's it isn't just the christian or the republican it's the conservative mindset um right. which oftentimes those Full fall into that, but it's that conservative mindset of of we need something to prevent you from doing it. Just like you said, it's the boogeyman, mm-hmm. right? Sex should not be a, a recreational sport, and that that determination means that unless you're having sex to have a baby, you shouldn't be having it, and if you are, you should be punished. 
either with a baby or with a sexually transmitted infection. Shouldn't be amateur. It should be semi-pro. <laughs> yeah. Recreational. It should well, be recreational. Know, it should be pro. <laughs> I should like, I went, for this. I went through um, both a, a Christian sex ed class, which was decent until they told us that if we masturbate, we go to hell. So they were really just vacillating wildly between messages. And then I went to public school after that. And public school just embraced the entire clinical aspect of it rather than like there's a lot of talk right now that that pleasure is not mentioned at all in sex ed. And most of the reason people have sex is for pleasure. Like literally most of the reason people are doing this is not for procreation. So the fact that we don't teach to that is a real failure. And and it's not just failure in high school and junior high. It's a failure for adults. Like I see one of my missions is teaching adults about sex education. Because, you know, if you grew up only knowing about AIDS, because most people, you know, syphilis was one of those diseases from a long time ago, right? It was the one that drove uh, uh, the Marquis de Sade insane. It, it, that's not still around, is it? Yes. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And it's not their fault that they don't know. Because they've been, we've all sort of been herded into this area of blindness to what, sex is about and what uh, what the risks are and how we can mitigate them because we can mitigate them. Mm-hmm. And the, the real thing is the big bad, uh, which I would still consider HIV the big bad, even though it is very uh, treatable these days, it's one of the easiest to prevent because it very rarely comes across through oral sex. And if you wear a condom, you're probably preventing that disease. Yeah. You know, and the things that are the little bads are the difficult ones, but people panic about them because they're easier, you know? And I get it. I panic about STIs. You know, I can talk very uh, levelly with you all here today. Uh, But the moment I see anything that looks like an unusual lump on my penis, I flip out. <laughs> you know, the reason I stopped uh, shaving my pubic hair is because I would get these horrible ingrown hairs yeah. that looked an awful lot like herpes sores. And after four visits to my doctor, um, over the course of the first year and a half of swinging, I would say, she said, listen, your body clearly doesn't want you to shave this, so maybe you should just stop. Yeah. And so I did. <laughs> so that's reasonable. But, I, you know, I get the panic. And even though I objectively know it's not a big deal, I completely feel it every time I think there's something. I, I understand. But at the same time, it's good to be aware of your body and, and pay attention. And if you do think there's sure. a problem, then, then for sure, check it out and address it. Because um, yeah. a lot of people just, they do ignore things that are wrong with their bodies. Or, you know, they're just like, oh, I'm not really sure if that's a thing. But you should pay attention to your body. You should be in tune with it. And, yeah. and if you have a question, then investigate it. Go to the doctor. You know, get a second opinion on it. 
And we feel like there's so much shame involved. So that's why we don't go to the doctor. Because if, if the doctor is going to say, well, maybe you should stop having casual sex or maybe you should limit your partners because, you know, that's the number that's the, the big thing on the CDC's website about how to prevent diseases is abstinence. It's like, well, okay, yeah, that also, you know, I can prevent death and skydiving by not going skydiving. That's real easy. But if I want to go skydiving, I really need other methods of prevention of death, <laughs> like parachutes. It is funny, you know, because we've talked to people who have gone to doctors and the doctors shame them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I've been there. That is, high, that is a, a, a big risk, I think, everywhere, but especially again in... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Conservative regions, um, say like the Southeast U.S. Well, I had an OBGYN when we lived in the States who, when I was in my early 20s and I wanted an IUD, a more permanent form of birth control than just pills, he shamed me about not having children. He was like, well, but that means you can't have children for, you know, five years, yeah. however long it's in. I'm like, but I don't want children in the next five years. I don't want children at all. And, and it was just, we went round and round, and he wouldn't give it to me. I was like, fine, and so I went somewhere else. But your doctor... Yeah, Ophelia had the exact same experience. Yeah. And your doctor it's, I mean, shouldn't do that. No. You know, and I've, I've talked to doctors uh, about their education, and really, they only spend like a day or two on sexuality education because the mainstream medical community is afraid of it. And they're afraid of it because of conservative pressure, because of where funding comes from. You know, most, most uh, hospitals in the United States are St. Something's Hospital. And that's not an accident. That means it's a religious organization running that hospital. And that religious organization could theoretically decide that you deserved what you got. You could sue them for malpractice, but you'd still get terrible treatment. <laughs> so, you know, it's like the the fear of sex is winning. I mean, it's been winning for decades, but the fear of sex is unbelievable. And... The best weapon we have against it is educating ourselves and then trying not to panic as we educate ourselves and see what's actually out there. Because, again, odds, we need to, you, the odds are the most important things to look at, the, the statistical analysis. Completely. Yes. You know, it's, it's funny because the perfect example of that is people are terrified of sharks. 
Uh, yeah. And uh, statistically, you have a better chance of dying by vending machine uh, than you do by shark. You have a better yeah. chance of dying rolling out of bed than you do by shark. And you have a better chance of dying on a bicycle. Mosquitoes specifically are the ones that, you know, we still go outside in the summer. It's the most dangerous creature on earth is a mosquito. Yeah. More people so, die due to mosquitoes <laughs> than anything, any, any other creature. I think it's, we want a boogeyman. You know, sharks are a good boogeyman. Because they've got big teeth like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish people had never seen that. <laughs> I, uh, my life improved dramatically when I became non-monogamous. I understand myself and my body and my interests and my, the way I relate to the world so much better uh, since I started having sex with more people. And, you know, uh, people who don't do that can say, well, why do you need to do that? And I think it's great that they don't need to do that. Sure. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of the ire for our community is a little bit of jealousy that we get to do the thing that so many people want to do, but can't. Mm -hmm. And jealousy leads to wanting something bad to happen to those people so we can say, you know, hey, like Sodom and Gomorrah, look at what you got. You have brought this down upon yourself, you hedonistic swingers. <laughs> hey, that's what my tattoo says. Yeah, but, uh, in, in defense, and I can't believe I'm actually going to say this phrase, in defense of the conservative mindset, they're not all like that. Um, because I was thinking of my great-grandmother. My great-grandmother, who was extremely religious, once told my mother, um, if God didn't want us having sex, why did he make it feel so good? <laughs> and, and that's an excellent question. It's an excellent question, and I loved that. It was such a great kind of like, for me, that was sort of a wake-up that, oh, okay, not all conservative people think this way. Uh, sure. And I, I try to remember that. Um, now, I will say many of them are. It's the loud, obnoxious minority. Um, but, you know. Yeah. But that's why we have to Unfortunately, educate ourselves and educate others yeah. and be aware of Unfortunately, this. yeah, it's, it's the, the, not all of them think that way, but a lot of the policymakers do. And the policymakers yes. are the ones that are actually shaping all this shit. Absolutely. So yeah. that's, the, that's the real, you know, and that's why I don't always go that extra mile to differentiate. It's like... Uh, you know, my to, to take it to a personal level, my parents' church uh, fired their choir director when he got married uh, because he was gay. Oh. And it was cool. Like, everybody knew he was gay for 20 years. Everybody knew. He was the most flamboyant gay man ever. There was no question Every function he attended, he attended with his longtime partner. Everybody knew. But the moment he got married, the church consulted with the archdiocese, and they decided that they could no longer employ him. And so that's, that's an organization making a decision. Now I look at my parents, who are conservative religiously, but liberals politically, 
And they go to that church, and every week they hand money to that church, and they completely disagree with the decision. But it doesn't matter, because they're funding it. So it doesn't matter, you know, when, when, the, when the religious right in America makes the sex ed education platform, anyone who goes to a church where it funnels upwards is funding it. You can make all the arguments you want about why it's cool to still do that, or, or not all my money goes to that, but it's just like not all my taxes go to war, but some of them do. Which is an interesting point I just made, and I'm not sure uh, that was a good one. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. In a sexual education podcast, in a a sexual health podcast, are are you discussing not paying taxes, Cooper? (laughs) No, I pay taxes. I don't like it, but I pay. Thanks for funding the war machine, asshole. I am. I am funding the war machine. Great, now I have another thing to really just feel guilty about. You know, there's but I, a, a lot of things you can control and a lot of things you can't control. Uh, that's true. And don't focus on things you can't, you have no control over. So, I, oh, here, okay. I, I guess what I'm saying with that is if you are one of those conservatives who believes sex is valuable and believes people should be allowed to do whatever they want with their bodies, you need to be the one speaking up at those groups where, where they get when you're getting together with your friends and they're talking about that whore down the street who got herpes because I think she was cheating on it. You know, you need to say, you know, you don't know what's going on. You know, it's everybody needs to stand up for what they believe in, and we too often let the group speak overwhelm that. And the group speak is inherently conservative i think we average down to conservative yeah. Yeah. which is unfortunate yeah. but it makes evolutionary sense sure <laughs> i'm not supporting so it. our way I'm makes, makes more sense. sense say what yeah our way makes more evolutionary sense you know multiple partners lots of sex i mean we're not having the babies but our way makes the sense uh, we need to have another podcast where we talk about this. I feel like that's a... Because yeah. I both agree and disagree. <laughs> um, so do you run into situations when you, uh, you know, you're playing with other people where people look at you like, why did you bring a box of cling film? Well, I tend to prep people before, you know, like when I'm going to a party, I tend to identify the people I might be interested in and have conversations before I even get there. But when I don't, um, I lead with my elevator speech that details that. So before we get into a play situation, they know how I play with the uh, barriers and they can make that decision whether or not they want to do that. And I don't begrudge anyone if they don't want to do that. You know, I had uh, one woman at a party um, who said, I'm not going to give you a blowjob with a condom. And I said, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to get a blowjob. And she's like, you'd really turn down a blowjob because I won't give it to you with a condom on. It's like, yes, this is really how I play. And I'm sorry, I don't think your mouth is magic enough that I need, that I can just, you know, like fling off all my preconceived notions of sexual interaction. Uh, I find that very interesting because it's not like 
blowjobs are rare in the swinger community. Well, that, there's that too. <laughs> it's like it's like, look, lady, it's not a diamond. You know what I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I did get a blowjob that night, yes. and it just wasn't from her. So yeah, you know, so, I mean, that's, that's it a was a weird argument. mentality. That, yeah, that's a but, terrible, terrible argument. <laughs> I have not had as many problems. Ophelia has had more problems with uh, barriers. She's had more people try to talk her out of that. You know, make the argument, oh, but you won't feel the amazing tongue action that I've got going on. And, oh, but it just doesn't feel as good when it's like, yeah, you're right. And unfortunately, she really takes it to heart and feels the shame that's inherent in telling people that their way of having sex is wrong. And that really sucks. And we've, uh, we've had like, we've had to leave parties because of someone just not respecting the desire for barriers. And it's because people don't know you know, people have never seen this before. I get it. You know, people still find it bizarre that I bring out my saran wrap. But usually they're fine. And, I mean, most of the women who've never had that used on them before have mentioned how it doesn't feel different hardly at all. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I wish more people wanted to try it. I wish more people thought it was interesting, and I think some people do, but they're still also worried about the shame of being too uptight, I guess. You know, like somehow the barriers make us the prude swingers, I guess. Yeah, that's a great. <laughs> We're the prudish swingers. <laughs> And I, I couch it in. I'm a, I'm a germaphobe and I'm a hypochondriac. So I assume I have everything all the time. Yeah, remember and, when you got over menopause? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. I, I'm glad the hot flashes stopped. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm doing this for my safety, and I'm doing this because I really, really dread the idea of having to tell someone after I just had sex with them, that I was diagnosed with something and I maybe transmitted it to them. And I've had to tell someone similar things in the past and it is the worst. It's something we have to do obviously, but it is the worst. So it's not just about protecting me, it's about protecting the person I'm playing with because I do care enough about that person that I don't wanna give them something. It is really fascinating, though, to see, because I will say, for me, um, I, I look at it, like we said, like you said earlier, it's a, it's a acceptable risk. And I think that's mm -hmm. it's just what fascinating to me is that different sort of attitude um, of two people who grew up in a very similar household, it sounds like, um, and definitely in, a, in, in the same time, um, although you're younger. Um, but... Not that much. But it, still. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't tell if you're pulling the seniority card or if you're actually just sad that you're the old one. I'm sad I, that I'm I the old one. I'm sad okay. that I'm the old one. I will never pull the seniority card. I'm, um, I'm actually the oldest one at, at, at play parties lately. And me too. Usually. No. Um, it's not a bad thing. I, I, no. I bring experience, baby. Yeah. Um, 
But just get better. That's right. I'm like cheese or wine. As long as you keep playing, I don't really care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it is something that I look at that like I have had those you know those messages where you have to send to somebody after you're testing positive for something and you might want to get yourself checked out and blah 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 blah. And I've had that done to me. And it, and while it's like oh bummer. Honestly, when I when it's done to, when it's been done to me, it's one of those. It's not that I'm upset with that person or upset about it. It's just like my disappointment is now I have to go through the hassle of doing this quickly yes. uh, yeah. to mitigate yeah. spreading it to anybody else. If I'm now a, a, right. a link in that chain, and it it just fascinates me. Uh, it fascinates me that that we have such a different mindset uh, against it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, I don't think there's a, a right or a wrong. Arguably, you're probably more right, which I can't believe I just said that. Now it's recorded. <laughs> but it's because, because you don't use barriers for right. oral. Right. I don't use barriers for, barriers for oral. I use yeah. barriers for everything else but not for oral. Yeah. Um, which is funny because I, I get the the yeah. the irony there, um, but still, it's, that's just me. I look and at it as I, I, it's, a, it's an acceptable risk. Sometimes I really wish I could go back to that uh, mindset of acceptable risk. And I'm sure, like, because I know objectively oral uh, oral sex does not transmit things hardly ever. It just doesn't. So really, you know, and, and the, the big thing I always come back to is, like, I'm part of a community with these uh, sex educators who – have been going to play parties for decades and still do barrier free oral and have never contracted anything from there. And so if that's the case, like there, there are, there are these examples of why I'm probably too cautious, not too cautious, overly cautious, overly cautious. And I do wish I could get over that sometimes, you know, like, my uh, so Ophelia and I, my partner and I, have a girlfriend, and uh, after like a year and a half of uh, going out with her, I felt comfortable reducing uh, going down to no oral barriers with her. And the moment we did that, I had a little freak out, and we went back to oral barriers again. <laughs> and it took me like several times of going back and forth. And she was very, very patient with me saying, just, you know, just tell me when you want that and when you don't. And ultimately now it's fine, but it was really incredible to me how much it got into my head after having used oral barriers for so long with people it just was suddenly this, okay, now I feel exposed. Not yeah. to her or to, it just in general. It's like, it was, yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, uh, to, to tell stories after school, like I know how, um, how cautious you two are, even without using oral barriers. And I knew in, in our, when, when we played in Mexico, that I would have been comfortable not using oral barriers with you. But I also knew that 
I would have been comfortable in the moment and I would have flipped out in the aftermath. And so a lot of my barriers are about knowing what I'm like after the fact, like knowing that I used to feel symptoms of herpes for a week after a new encounter because I knew that objectively, you know, in general, if you're going to get visible herpes, it's going to happen within about eight days after an encounter. So when eight days were up, I'd relax, even though none of that was like, this is how it works. It was like, sometimes, I mean, in general, this is what, and I would feel it. And every, every single thing about it was, I needed to find a way to not spend the week after an awesome experience worried about what would ruin that awesome experience. And I think that's part of it as well, is it's not just protecting yourself physically, but also what do you need to do to feel safe mentally and emotionally? Yeah. And and if that means using barriers, then it means using barriers. And and in regards to like us playing at desire, we always say that you should play to the safest person in the room. And if that means sure. that you use barriers when you normally otherwise wouldn't, that's okay. Like it doesn't matter because it's not gonna mar the experience. But you need to make sure that everyone in that room feels safe and feels protected, whether it be in that moment or whether it be for the next week, the next two weeks, or however long. Well, it's interesting yeah, because touching on what Angela just said, you play to the, to the safest people in the room. And I think a lot of people think that or may do that, but in a, in a play session kind of way. Like a couple only wants to do oral, but they don't full swap. Or, right. you know, they full swap, but it has to be in the same bed. They don't go to separate rooms. And we're, you know, most people are typically very okay with that. Yeah. But then as soon as the, the, the sexual health side of it and the, and the oral barriers uh, comes up, then they're like, well, what kind of thing? And I yeah. think it's, you should say, I, we play to the safest people in the room, meaning both mental health and physical health. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But it is, it is funny, it makes, you know, I'm sure there are people who listen to you, Cooper, and are very excited because they, you prove that hypochondriacs can be swingers, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of my neuroses make people happy because they can, <laughs> so can do it and so can you. But they're actually quite common. A lot of people feel yes, that way. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I will lie. I've had those times where, you know, you're like, you've had sexual encounter, and then like three days later, you're like, huh, is it supposed to burn when I pee? And then, <laughs> and then you realize that it was just too many jalapeno margaritas. You know, so yeah. things like that. Well, I mean, yeah. I also, I, I have uh, prostatitis, which is also called uh, chronic pelvic pain syndrome. And one of its lovely effects are, is occasional urethral burning. Oh. Lucky you. It is not transmittable. It is not an STI. But for a hypochondriac who worries about STIs, occasional urethral burning is a real panic maker. Yeah. yeah. I also love it that a, that a bi man has a disease called prostatitis. <laughs> it gets both prostate and ass and tight. It's great. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, if you're going to get something, yeah. way, to, yeah. way, way to go all in, man. Honestly, though, I think, I think it may be part of my, my um, prostate orgasm superpower because a prostatitis is about an inflamed prostate. Yeah. It's, is that part of the shimmy? It might be. I mean, if, if I've had this for this long, it might be the reason 
I can have such great prostate orgasms. Unfortunately, sometimes it feels like someone is squeezing my balls in a vice for several days. That's but maybe it's yeah. worth it. Maybe it's a trade-off, you know? I, I don't know. <laughs> but that was my favorite scene in the Jigsaw porn movie. <laughs> oh. Prostatitis, directed by Eli Roth. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. All right. Um, well, we're going to wrap up on that note. On that note. <laughs> um, if that becomes a movie, I claim it. Uh, thank, you, thank you so much, Cooper, for uh, coming on and, and chatting with us again. I don't think we covered half the stuff we wanted to, which just means we're going to have to have you on again. At some exactly. Point. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I always leave them wanting more. Yeah. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, uh, if not before then, we will definitely see you uh, from November 2nd through November 9th, uh, 2019, yeah. here in, well, there, in Desire. Yes, uh, Swing Set Takes Mexico Desire. Mexico for Swing Set Takes Desire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, looking forward to that. We're actually coming Me down too. a day early, so. Mm. I know, so am I. So you, yeah. we're going we're gonna to get that night before. Bloody up, mate. Yeah. Uh, so cool. Thank you. Thank you so much for your, your wisdom and your experience. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, I, I always feel like I'm ranting when I talk about this stuff. No, honey, you uh, are. It's okay. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> but, in, but in a good way. In a good way. Yeah. No, I mean, I'd say that. Well, I, I always tell people that I carry around a few soapboxes with me. Uh, and I see nothing wrong with that. And, you know, if you, if you've got a soapbox that is of value and important, to you, it's important to other people. And I think that yours, you know, the sexual health side, it is important to you and it is important to other people. Yeah. Can I say one more thing on it? Sure. This is the, the most important thing, I think, is to remember, especially in the swing community, that you are in a community of other people. And so your protection is not just about you and the person you're playing with. It's about that person's partner and the people they're playing with. And herd immunity is a thing. So the more and more we protect ourselves, the less and less we have to worry about these things. And in general, I know the swinger community has statistically been shown to be far more conscious about sexually transmitted infections than the regular community. Mm -hmm. And so in general, there's not, you know, what you would assume is a swinger level of STIs versus a general population level. They're about the same. So we, we can, we can keep mitigating this and it, it's, it's not just about me. It's about my community. Yeah. I think it's a good point to have. And no bareback swinging. I judge thee. I judge thee. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. And with that, <laughs> we'll wrap up. Thanks again, Cooper. Where can people find you? Uh, CooperSBeckett.com and Life on the Swing Set, uh, the podcast uh, about non-monogamy. And uh, you can find my books at CooperSBeckett.com. And I'm working on a new one. Yay! Yay. Yes, read his about books. About a ghost his, hunter. His books are great. About a ghost hunter? About a ghost hunter. Ooh, topic shift. Yeah. yeah, that's a topic shift. We'll have to we'll have well, to talk. I, we'll have to talk. I have been a ghost hunter. Yeah. Well, then then you you may enjoy it. You know, it's it's uh, I I wanted to adapt an old uh, story of mine, and the story had a very heteronormative male uh, 
you know, like Fletch type lead. And I'm not talking Chevy Chase Fletch. I'm talking about Alphys Fletch. Uh, So, you know, the kind of character that in a book series would have a new girl every book, you know, you that that kind of character. And and when I thought about it, I didn't want to write that character. But I thought about Ellen Ripley in Alien and how her character's name was Ripley and she was supposed to be a man. And literally all they did was have a woman read the lines. And it was amazing. And so I'm I'm basically transmitting all these traits from this other character to a uh, pansexual, slightly androgynous, queer woman as my ghost hunter lead. And I'm very excited about it. Um, So I get to have non-monogamy in a book that's not about non-monogamy. Fantastic. I love it. Yay. Uh, yeah, I, I've read your books. I've sent your books to my mom. It's good. <laughs> Did your mom like them? Uh, yes. My mom, uh, so she, I will say, she wasn't a fan of the jumping around, but she's also not a fan of the, uh, uh, is it George Martin series? Oh. The, the Game of the, Thrones? The yeah. And you know, so I like the where you deal with a character or a chapter. My mom doesn't like that. She's much more of the Stephen King. Let's just throw them all in the same pool and... And dip out a net. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. But she did say it was interesting. <laughs> hey, you know what? Interesting is a good comment to get. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't hate it, so that's a plus. Uh, cool. Thank you, Cooper. Uh, for people listening at home, if you if you want to find his books, talk to us. We'll point you in the right direction. If you don't, didn't actually listen to him. Um, yeah. Anything? Any last thoughts? No. No. All right. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Bye, guys. Hi, I'm Mr. Pence, co-host of Life on the Swing Set, and you're listening to a Swing Set Network podcast on swingset.fm. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.